Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twin Spring training. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twin Spring training is well underway, and in a very uncharacteristic move, Dan, the Twins have been very active on the old hot stove. And also late at night. David, you know, yes. I know you're trying to get some sleep and, and the twins are doing all these moves. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tired of getting texts from you, though, at one in the morning, your time thinking, <laughs> David, like, go to bed. What are you doing? So this was odd, actually. So I was up. My wife was hosting a baby shower the next day. Mm. And so we were up printing and I was helping her get these games together. And I get this alert on my phone. It's like 1230 in the morning. And it's this alert from Bleacher Report that the twins signed Carlos Correa. And I was like, this is a prank. There's no way this is true. No. And I was starting to wonder, like, I started to have dreams about the twins doing other things, like literal dreams that the twins were making big moves, like trading for star pitchers. We were talking offline a bit about this. And you, you said pretty emphatically that. Clearly, the Twins' track record is not to spend big money on free agent pitchers. No, because it's not worth it, because I think that they see they see things very year to year, as we can see with the Correa deal, which we'll talk about. I mean, everything here is built towards, can they win this year? And if not, who can they trade at the trade deadline? And then can they try again next year? So it's a little different approach, that I think, than a lot of teams use. They're just, you know, I think the longest pitching deal we've really seen under this regime is, it, it feels like just a couple years. I can't think of one that was longer than, I mean, they inherited the Maeda one, and that's only one that was multiple years. I guess they did, did give Dobnak, what, the 12-year deal at about a million dollars Yeah, but they uh, only paid him like eight bucks an hour yeah. or something. <laughs> well, anyway, folks, let's get into the Twins transactions because the Twins have been very busy. If you haven't been following the news, I don't even know really where to begin. So obviously the big signing we just talked about was Carlos Correa. Before we get to the Correa talk, I do want to talk a little bit about the moves the Twins made prior to that signing. So first of all, they send Mitch Garver to Texas, and they send him to Texas for a shortstop and a right-handed pitcher prospect. And Dan, <laughs> that shortstop was with the Twins organization for just over 24 hours. Yeah, bizarre. I mean, it, it it again had that feel like, I hope they had another deal ready. Like, I hope that they would knew this was this was coming for just for his own sake. Well, that's the thing is you do hope that... It, so is Kinner Fal- You know, I got to be honest with you, Dan. He was with the team for such a short amount of time. I didn't even learn how to say his name appropriately. <laughs> I, I want to say it's Kiner Falefa, but I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't look it up. But so he comes on to the Twins roster with the expectation that he's going to be the everyday shortstop for the Twins. 2022 season however very quickly the twins flip him along with josh donaldson and the most important piece dan ben rortvet to the new york yankees for gary sanchez a catcher ish a catcher ish we'll call him yes and Gio urshela who is a third baseman pretty much primarily he can play a couple other places around the field but that's where he had almost all of his appearances the last couple of years so this reminded me of two things david so one is going to be maybe more obscure than the other the first well i don't know which one's more obscure than the other is when i had nhl 95 on the sega genesis you could 
could gradually improve your team by making little trade after little trade after little trade yeah. until eventually you have Yarmir Yager on your team, right? Yes, like that yes. was kind of the goal. The other thing is the eBay, you know, where you start with a paperclip and you get a jumbo yeah, jet. Bigger like, I better. Think, I think yeah, that's yeah. the system of the Falvey management plan, right? Yes. You start with a thumbtack and you go to a candle and then you go to a set of books. It's perfect. <laughs> and then you suddenly have an MVP shortstop. It's amazing how that all works out. But so obviously Josh Donaldson moving to the Yankees is probably the most significant portion of that trade, mainly, Dan, because it removes $50 million off the payroll for the Twins. That's so much money to just like, <laughs> how big are payrolls here that we, that was, that was nuts. Um, made yes. a lot of sense. We talked about this last year, how at the trade deadline, how Josh Donaldson had a lot of trade value. We, we hoped I'm a little bit stunned. The Yankees took all of that salary on Shocking. on the back yes. half of a of a contract where this is, again, one of those moves where it's like, well, the Twins got the better value years, though that's only in theory um, yes. because Josh Donaldson played so little. And you know what? Josh Donaldson has a very Yankee attitude, I think, so maybe he'll fit in better there than he did in Minnesota. It's fine having him gone, though I do wonder who's going to play third base on a regular basis now for this team. Well, OK, so that's an interesting question. So like I said, the Twins got Gary Sanchez, who honestly, this is going to be sort of a rebuild project for Sanchez to see if he can resurrect his rookie year numbers. He's a terrible catcher, Dan. Everybody knows that probably the worst in the league who was getting regular playing time behind the plate. What makes Outside him a terrible that, though, catcher? A lot of pass balls, calls games poorly. You can look at all the advanced stats. It's not even close, Dan. He is bad. So then why did the Twins get him? To be honest, I'm not exactly sure what the thought process is here because, one, he's right-handed, which really bothers me because Jeffers is right-handed. And that was one of the reasons why you're like, oh, of course they move on from Garver so you can have a left-handed and right handed sure. catcher. So I honestly don't think that Sanchez is going to catch all that many games for the Twins, but he's in a contract year and he wants to market himself as a catcher. So of course he's going to want those starts behind the plate, but he needs to get better if he's going to get any sort of significant time there. And sometime, and I will be curious to see, because we need to talk more at some point about calling a game and the, how important yes. that is for a catcher that I think that's something that is not, we talk so much about pitch framing. I don't care about pitch framing, not nearly <laughs> I, as much I as I, well, not nearly as much as I care about, like, do you know how to get a guy out when it's, when you got two strikes on? Him. So I am curious to see how he does that. And I'm with you on that because as much as Ben Rortvitz, well, he is a left-handed bat. And the Twins yes. have really never had a great left-handed bat since the great Joe Maurer. Oh, so, Sure. <laughs> we, I we left don't have that time. one there for you. I thought you were going to. We don't have time to get into the Joe Maurer debate right now. But anyway, as far as the other signing here, so Urshela, he is a third baseman. So I was comparing his numbers to a rise numbers, the exact same fielding percentage at third base. However, it pained me a little bit, Dan, because this last week I've watched a lot of Yankee highlights. And that's not something Ooh. that I find myself doing all that I'm often. Sorry. But I wanted to see these guys in action more than I had a little bit prior to this trade up. Obviously. And Urshela, man, he feels well. You can tell he's got quick hands, quick reactions, and a power arm at third base. I think if I had to choose between him and a rise at third base, I'll take Urshela. However, I still want to rise his bat in the lineup. We saw this in, in previous years, though, where Rocco will move players around. I mean, he played Nick Gordon in center. Um, well, okay, but hang, hang on now, though. Playing a rise at third base is a lot different than playing Nick Gordon <laughs> in center not, field. That's not a fair comparison. No, um, not at he, all. He will find ways to get a rise at bat. Somebody's going to yes. get hurt. And they're going to need him. It's a long season. And so I'm not worried about that, though. Again, I, I don't love seeing a rise in left field, but I, I suspect we're going to see Luis Arise play in some left field this year. I don't think so. I think that's done. I do. I think he's either going to play at third base or he's going to play at second base on Polanco's off days where Polanco's at DH. Hmm. 
No, I think we see him in left. I'd, I'd put an over under at 10 games. In left field? In left field. Full games? Because I could see him as like a as no, like I'd say the he first starts, three innings. He starts and 10 and left. Starts 10 and left. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we can we can work out a, a bet there, I think. We should. You know what we got to do is we got to come up with some interesting over unders for, yes. our, for our season preview episode. Yes. And, and that's going to be one of them. I'm going to throw that on there. Again, prior to us getting to the Correa trade, one other thing, the Twins signed Jose Godoy, who was a catcher for the Mariners for a few games last season. He is a left-handed bat and Rocco loves to have that third catcher since we don't have the turtle anymore Dan it seems possible that he might make the roster just because he's a left-handed bat and he can catch his career war with 37 at bats is <laughs> negative 0.1 so you know that seems about right for the twins equals out to the turtle I think right I mean we'll see we'll see it, it goes to your point about Sanchez where he's probably just not going to catch very much it does create some concern about roster flexibility but at the same time we didn't really see the turtle actually catch very many games in no the end. almost none right like it was more like when he was an emergency catcher in most situations when he was actually behind the plate. And then the other signing that this one is probably hopefully more impactful than I thought it was when I first saw the headline stream across my screen. They signed Joe Smith, the veteran guy who's hoping to get a thousand appearances is his goal for MLB games. Had a rough season last year and I guess he went through some personal stuff with COVID and I guess his mom passed away. So hard times for him to sort of acclimate to the different teams and moves he made. But so hopefully he's a bounce back candidate for this year for the Twins. That's how the Twins deal with relief pitchers right they they look for the bounce back candidates and then they let them go and sometimes they bounce back elsewhere so you know we'll see by the way can you we can can only think of like four guys from last year that's it can you hear the name joe smith and not think of the the minnesota timberwolves the the franchise Uh, ruining trade and like the avalanche player right like there's a whole bunch of guys who you could go back to it's like it's a pretty common name turns out well can we talk about carlos correa now please yeah just once you get through the shock of it right because nobody saw this coming it is super important though that we mention that the deal is weird it's an odd structure 35.1 million dollars a year three-year deal however he he has an opt-out after each season so assuming that he has a really good season or even a an okay season this year with the twins you can bet he's gone if he hasn't already been traded at the deadline yeah the twins actually don't want him to stick around for the next couple seasons because that means he's had a, a pretty serious decline or an injury something where he's not going to get more than the 35 million somewhere else. And Gleeman wrote a really good article, I think, about this for The Athletic, because he always does with contract articles. He talked about how with the crop of shortstops being so good this year, but maybe not so great next year, that this is a way for Correa to take advantage of that next season and then get that big contract there wherever he might. So he he might be a Yankee next year, even though he's not now. And, and obviously the Twins will potentially need to make room for Royce Lewis if he doesn't tear another ligament and another joint. Yeah, something terrible would have had to have happened. Or let's say they win the World Series and he just really wants to stick on that train, Dan Thompson. Well, there's a few more things need to happen, I think, before we can say they're going to contend for a World Series. Quick question on Correa, though. So obviously, he's one of the best shortstops in the game, if not the best. Do you think Twins fans are going to have a short memory as far as the Astros and all of the sort of drama and the cheating what drama? scandal? What drama, David? No, that's what I'm saying. Is that going to be the approach of Twins fans? Or is Correa going to be greeted with, with booze and trash can banging when he comes to Target Field? Minnesotans, I don't think we're... I think we would think... <laughs> about doing the trash can thing and they're like you know it's kind of his own deal it's his own private life let's just let him we'll, we'll just forget yeah I, d- I don't think people are going to be 
uh, making noises about him. Point to Jimmy Butler as Exhibit A as yeah, far as like a guy with not the greatest reputation, but like the Timberwolves got him, and everyone's like, "Butler's the man, dude." Yes, we. we but we'll find a way. We'll find a way to explain it away. Um, and especially if they if they really can compete this season, and Correa does has, obviously has a great season. I think people will forget very quickly. Yes, and he is changing his number. He's not going to be wearing number one. He's going to be wearing number twenty three, which he I guess purchased from Royce Lewis. Good deal. But that doesn't that say something right there? Won't Royce just take it next season? I mean, like it seems like he's going <laughs> to give it right back to him next year. I think that's exactly what the Twins want to see happen. Right? They want to see Lewis get a full year at AAA, prove that he's ready at shortstop. Maybe not shortstop. That's another question for another day. But Potentially. But right now, the Twins do have him dog-eared for that shortstop position in 2023, I think. Well, David, we, we got to move. We have so many things to talk about. We we're not going to get to everything here, but um, but how about you take us into our next area? Real quick, we're just going to touch about the new rules that have been implemented since our last podcast. Nothing major here. I'm going to go sort of in, in order of severity. Confirmed, doubleheaders are going to stay at nine innings instead of seven. So I think we're both happy about that. Then the rosters have expanded from 26 to 28 through May 1st, which is going to be super helpful for the twins because honestly it's coming down to a coin flip for a lot of a lot of the questions about who comes who comes on the roster as a reliever dan you're right about the pitchers I'm just as concerned about the position players because I think there's also just a lot of questions after the starting lineup. Maybe. I guess, I guess the only question that I really have is about shortstop is really the question about backups and potentially the outfield because, Dan, I hate to say this, my goodness, it looks like Jake Cave is going to find himself on this roster. I knew it. I was waiting for you to have to say it. Jake just, Cave is going to make this team. I just don't see a way for that not to be the case because he can play center field and that's the biggest reason. Yeah, I mean, they didn't go out and sign anybody else, at least at this point, who can no. play center and, they, and they've made it clear they don't want to move Kepler to center to as center, much as yes. you know they just don't want him to have to do that um so yeah it looks like Jake Cave's got a spot oh, enough enough we got to stop talking right. about Jake Cave I don't want anyway the uh the other rule here that they've they've put into place is the Otani rule which basically just means that pitchers who leave the game and are no longer pitching can remain in the game as the DH it applies to Otani and what maybe one other pitcher in the league who would actually they want to keep him as DH I mean you're a purist David this must drive you nuts doesn't it <laughs> No. This doesn't drive you nuts? No, why would this drive me nuts? Because to me, it's just like shifting a position player to DH. I've truly, I don't even understand the DH rule very clearly anyway. It seems very, why, why couldn't they do this before? I don't understand. Well, so there's a few different logistical questions about the DH, and it's the same like anytime that you're doing double switches and things in the NL prior to the to But like, DH David, adoption. there are managers who don't seem to understand this, this system of the double switch and what the DH does. Like, does this make it less or more complicated? Can you just tell me that? I, I think less, as okay. long, because as long as you understand that your your DH position is now given to the pitching hitters slot. It's very confusing, but yes, it's the Shohei. Great for Shohei, uh, Shohei and Babe Ruth. I feel like that's that's kind of it. But anyway, so then the rule change, Dan, that we were so excited went away, has been resurrected, Dan, I, and now extra innings will now start with a runner on second, just like last year. Are we going to do this every month? Like, are they just going to decide to change rules mid season? This seems a little bit close to the season to just be still working out rules. It. it it does, but to be fair, this is just because it was like the last piece of the CBA agreement to be ironed out. There's one more question about compensation picks for qualifying offers, but it sounds like the qualifying offers are going to go away. There's just an outstanding question about international draft picks that's sort of up in the air, but that's going to be done away with, I think, come uh, come the end of this season, they'll have that all ironed out. But why didn't they do my thing where we could do we could put the runner there after the 11th inning? Why was that not a reasonable compromise, David? It's a fair question, one that I don't like, but uh, I guess it's a fair question. <laughs> that they didn't listen to the podcast and and respond to your concerns so i was actually i talked to my brother about this he's not a big baseball guy but 
he's he's very thoughtful and sort of analytical in his thinking. And he said, what if instead of putting the runner on second, what if they lower the ball count to three balls for a walk? Why don't they just bring the bases in, David? You know, let's just play 60 feet per base or something like that. <laughs> well, no, okay, you hold can't up. do but, that. That's but, a pretty but, crucial change. With as opposed to, to putting brother. a guy on second? Yeah, but you can't like change the balls and the strike counts. Right? I do that well, with it, my children no. to make things more fair because my five-year-old can't hit as well as my eight-year-old. Like, Hang on, hang on. Just real quick. Yeah. There is no debate here that changing the ball count from four to three is far less a significant change than giving the offense a free runner on second. No, it's not. It's taking away an entire strategy. What, what are you talking about? A, an entire strategy? With a runner on second, you bunt and then you hit a sack fly and you win the game. What are you talking about? Now you know. What do you know? Because now it, it throws off the whole balance of balls and strikes. This is not how baseball is, David. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you right now. I can't believe this is your reaction to this. I thought it was a very clever idea because it's a minor rule shift. It will certainly speed up the game, and it doesn't just give the offense free runs. But that's a more significant change than putting a runner at second. Runner at second changes no, one no. element oh, of so- that. No, but like you're changing literally every at bat then after extra innings to speed by lowering up the game, it to and that's three the whole reason why you have a runner on second, Dan. No, this is no the runner at second. I would much rather have that than the three ball count. Wow, wow! I thought you would be like, oh, this is a really neat idea. It shifts things. It speeds the game up, which is what they're after, and it's a minor rule shift. All right, you know what would speed things up if the pitchers just did soft toss from about fifteen feet away. When they, let's put the cage up there, let's block wow. it so that all wow. they got to do. Yeah, I'm not even in the mood for your sarcasm. Let's, to be honest, let's with take because away a I... fielder every inning. How about that? <laughs> I. Right. Just, First, you lose, with, oh. and well, you can't pick that now apparently because you got to be locked in pretty soon okay. to having fielders in one okay. spot. Okay. Enough. Enough. Wow. Wow. I hope my brother takes significant. Offense it's not Dan. To your- I like your brother. He's a great <laughs> man. I, I appreciate him. I just I don't I don't appreciate how you're latching on to the idea and saying that that's a better idea than just leaving the runner at second. Oh, 100% I think it's a better idea. Well, we obviously disagree. Because you're still forced to produce offensively. You have to get a hit to win still. Yeah, I know. Assuming you're not walking the bases loaded and walking the run in. Well, can I tell you one other thing that I am excited about that they changed? I don't know. I'm still trying to get my thoughts together, Dan, but I guess you can try. So the new schedule rotation starting next season, I had missed this until I I think it was a Jason Stark article. So they're going to adopt a rule where teams are going to play every other team now, including the teams in the opposite league every season. And that some of those, I believe, if not all of the National League games for the Twins perspective, except for the Brewers, will rotate who hosts each each season. Correct. So every other year, you're guaranteed to see a team. And as a general baseball fan, not just a Twins fan, this is great. I would love to be able to, being a West Coaster, take trips down to the Bay Area or San Diego or something like that and be able to see the Twins play there. And now it'll be every other year, not every sixth year where that can happen. And I think that's really good for the sport generally because, you know, for people in Minnesota, they're going to get to see these guys. They're going to get to see Fernando Tatis, you know, every other year rather than having to, again, wait every six. So good for the sport. Love that change. So I do too. I actually, I was, I was texting with a couple of buddies and they were against the change actually. So they both would prefer that there be less interleague games. Because they want to see the Guardians more. I got to be honest with you. I don't fully understand the logic. I mean, I can see the whole idea that you really want to emphasize the whole AL versus NL perspective. But to me, it's like, there's so many games this season. We can kick a couple more to the NL, I would think. No problem. I think the Twins play enough games against their divisional opponents. And if anything, this actually makes it more fair because then it's a little more balanced for everybody. And so, and when you're going to expand the wild card by one more, that's all the more important. You have to have a schedule that's much more balanced. So I have a couple of questions for you, Dan, before we 
just get into the the sort of roster construction questions that we're dealing with. Out of all of the players that the Twins let go, which one are you most fearful will just have like a monster season or two here with their with their teams? Mitch Garver. I, I mean, he's he's shown the potential to be a 300 hitter and a 30 home run hitter. Yeah, I think Mitch Garver is probably the right answer. I could see Donaldson going on a pretty big tear in New York and just like really lighten things up. However, they're not going to get a full season out of him at third base. Like he's going to be DHing, not a majority of the time necessarily, but a lot because I assume they'll nurse him just like the Twins did as far as his hammies are concerned. You would have to, right? After seeing him, I mean, the Yankees aren't aren't foolish. Um, yeah. Well, they are for taking on $50 million. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be something? Well, we can't. I I don't want to even say it, David. If the Yankees played the Twins in the playoffs, it's too depressing. But we have Correa now who's beaten the Yankees in the postseason all the time. And we've got Urshela and and Sanchez. So maybe they they could kind of give a little payback. Here's the big question, Dan, as far as transactions are concerned. What else do the Twins need? Or or what do you think that they need to have to go from now what I would consider them to be likely a wild card team to probably or or likely a division winner and making a run in the postseason? Obviously, they need starting pitching, right? Yes. And they probably need another reliever. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Yes. Do you think they have enough to get to the All-Star break now and potentially make a deal then to get better rather than to trade away assets. I think it's going to be tricky. So we sort of passed over the Sonny Gray acquisition. We did. Uh, Wait, that was bad so, of us. So we should probably mention that. So Sonny Gray we got, we had to trade the first round pick from 2021. Uh, so that was Chase Petty, who is a long way from the majors, but definitely has a high, high ceiling. That may come back to bite the Twins, but I don't think anybody can blame them for making this trade. Two years of Sonny Gray. But so to sort of reassess your question, Dan, about the All-Star break, I think it'd be very tricky for this team to be in a competitive position if they do not bring in one more good starting pitcher. So in some sense, they're going to need, and I think this is the Twins just generally, they need a year where some young guys step up and have great seasons. Now, yeah. if you think back to 91, when I think you were, what, a year or two old, I was so you three. probably don't Thank remember this, but Chuck Knobloch had a fantastic season that year as a rookie and that he was excellent and that was a big deal and I I think they're going to need to win a world series they're going to need a rookie pitcher I think to have a great year now he doesn't have to be the ace but he's going to have to be probably their third starter and I don't know I mean you know I know they have young arms that they like I'm just not sure I I think I agree with you I'm not sure that they can get to the all-star break with this bullpen and this rotation so so that being said we both agree that they definitely need a starting pitcher and I think everybody who's a twins fans thinks that way like I don't think anybody's like nah they'll be fine and I do think they need a bullpen pen arm one more guy for the back end i would think then you can sort of make do with what you have other than that my only other concern again is the catching position because i do think you could still bring in a guy who's a left-handed bat but again now that you have sanchez on the on the roster there's just not going to be room i don't think no unless they trade sanchez which who knows that's the question i'd be okay with that but however everybody keeps saying like oh it's going to be perfect he's got a change of scenery he's really going to bounce back from the hard times he had in new york i'd love to see it i'm not convinced no i'm not convinced either if they can move him and get a, a pitching asset right now i think i'd take my chances with godoy and with jeffers and see and see what you get yeah i think i think at most you could get a mediocre reliever though well he would be part of a package it wouldn't just be straight up i think but if he was part of a package to get a starting pitcher the the athletics apparently are willing to trade anybody in any year and still they're (laughs) going to win 80 games um so so, you know maybe they look for more of the a's pitchers so that's a good segue my question here dan is how much are you willing to give at this point for a starting pitcher and a good reliever 
Well, you know, before the Korea trade, I was not very willing. But now it's like, if you're going to get one year of Korea, then I think you have to try. And then right. and then again, you can move guys at the deadline if you have to. So I think you got you to gotta push in. I would give up whatever the assets are, you know, to get a number one or a number two pitcher. If, if they can be gotten, don't you think you'd do it? Well, I think so. But here's my question, Dan. It's probably going to take major league ready talent. Yeah. I so, mean, does that mean, you know, does that mean one of the guys they got last year for Barrios? Does it mean, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean Royce Lewis gets traded at some point? I, I think not Lewis. In, in my opinion, and sort of what I've read from other folks, the most likely candidates are Arise or Kepler. We'll trade Kepler. We know my feelings about <laughs> Kepler. No, I don't, I don't want to lose Arise. I saw somebody float the idea of Kirilov being traded, but I don't see that. I, mean, I don't see that either. I think they I, I think take they their want chances. That Kirilov at first base or in left field at this point. He was my guy. He's my my breakout candidate for next season, David. I stand by that. Can't get rid yeah, of Kirilov. Yeah, I, I guess. So then a follow-up question to that, Dan. Will you be disappointed if the Twins do trade away a decent amount of assets in order to get some starting pitching and they have a terrible season and they have to rebuild at the end of the year? Well, yeah. That would be disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but what I what I mean to say is, like, would you be happy that they tried still? Like, how much are you? I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how much are you willing to forfeit now for the potential of making a run in the postseason? I would be dis- I would be pretty disappointed knowing that next year looks pretty good. Even if Correa leaves, I think this team still looks pretty good next season. No, I, I agree with that, especially if, like you said, those young pitchers can sort of take a step forward. That's key. That's the kind of the key to everything here is that can they get those guys to, to play great next season and maybe even yeah. to get a little bit out of them this year. And who knows if Maeda will be able to come back at some point late in this year and play. So, Dan, we have covered a lot of items here. So I guess what I think we should wrap up doing right now at this point in spring training, give me your starting lineup for opening day, Dan. So I do like I do like Buxton in the one or the two. I like Polanco up there as well. I would go Buxton, Polanco, Arise, Correa, Kirilov, Sano or Kepler, kind of depending on the matchup, Ursula and Jeffers. I like that. Okay, well, you're, you're not right, but that's okay. What do you mean I'm not right? <laughs> well, Correa needs to be in the top three, so he's getting the at-bats. But he's going to get the at-bats because Buxton's going to get on base like every other time. <laughs> okay, well, that's one way to think about it. Yeah. But for me, I don't think it's close. Buxton, Arise, Correa, Polanco, Kirilov, Sano, Kepler, Urshela, Jeffers. I think who really needs the at-bats is Sano. Let's put him up there, uh, the, two, the two spot. You think that's too high for Miguel? Uh, yes, we have This is the first time we talked about Miguel Sano all episode. It's true, and we do, we should have an over under on on Sano as well. How many starts he gets at first base versus DH? See, well, that's going to feed into. See, I'm going to have to actually do some mathematics there to really to really pencil that out. Well, you got you got to think about it because you got to think that Kirilov is going to be playing first base some chunk of time, certainly. However, to your point, as you mentioned earlier, who's playing in left field then? It's going to be Luis Arise floundering. In moments that are crucial. That's what's going to happen. I really hope not. Or it'll be Jake Cave, right? Do you want Jake Cave? There was a window of time, by the way, that you texted me and said, Eddie Rosario is coming back to the twins I, I did, well, that was more that was more in jest than like serious apparently oh, i my, thought you were serious there we could what with the twins lineup needs is more eddie rosario i think right how now. funny honestly though I, I think when i texted you in that moment i did think that was a possibility i wasn't See? necessarily excited about the possibility but i did think it, it could very well have happened mid-season when the braves have a fire sale <laughs> Eddie's going to come back. What I'm really trying to do, I'm trying to find a Kirilov shirt for my daughter so when I take her to the games, we can get a ball out of him. So, uh, David, I just think we should probably run through who are the rotation locks right now because I look at your spreadsheet, which, David, you did a marvelous job on our note sheet. Thank you. Um, Thank you. If we were rooting for a Twins team that pitched in the 70s, 
then I think we'd have a full rotation. But I only see four names right there in the rotation right now. That's not enough. Yeah. They need a fifth well, name. Dobnik moved to the 60-day IL. Who knows when he'll actually be ready to pitch because it's the same issue he had that took him out of last season. So he was kind of penciled in as the fifth starter. But right now, who we know, it's not even a discussion, right? So it's Gray, Bundy, Ryan, and Ober. And then it's a blank fifth spot, Dan. And honestly, I think it's going to be for Rocco. However he feels that day, as far as who he thinks the AAA pitcher is that deserves a start at the major league level. I, I really do think they're going to bring somebody in. H- how can they look at that now and say, this is enough? They even yeah. have to just sign somebody with major league credentials that they could even cut after yes. the end of April when the rosters have to consolidate again. I hope that they sign somebody or they trade somebody, and I hope they trade people who I've never heard of before from the minor league system, but I just don't see that being possible because there are a lot of teams out there, Dan, looking for that final piece to the puzzle think of the as of the starting pitcher asset you could get for jake cave right now with his flexibility in the field like a double a guy maybe (laughs) or if you're lucky yeah i would think so sorry all right well david i think this is probably enough for now we'll have one more episode in about a week or so and then we'll have our season preview just in a couple weeks it's it's so quick dan april 7th ladies and gentlemen i got my open day tickets i'm very excited oh good for you all right how about you send us out david well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins.